0: Chapter 16 of Meridiana The Adventures of Three Englishmen and Three Russians in South Africa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Meridiana The Adventures of Three Englishmen and Three Russians in South Africa by Jules Verne. Translated by Alan A. Fuhr. Chapter 16 Danger in Disguise. By the end of September, the astronomers had accomplished half their task. Their diminished numbers added to their fatigue, so that, notwithstanding their zeal, they occasionally had to recruit themselves by resting for several days. The heat was very overpowering. October, in latitude twenty four degrees south corresponds to april in algeria and for some hours after midday work was impossible the bushman was alone uneasy at the delay for he was aware that the ark was about to pass through a single region called a Karoo, similar to that at the foot of the rockefield mountains in cape colony in the damp season this district presents signs of the greatest fertility. After a few days of rain, the soil is covered with a dense verdure. In a very short time, flowers and plants spring up everywhere, pasturage increases, and watercourses are formed. Troops of antelopes descend from the heights and take possession of these unexpected prairies. But this strange effort of nature Is of short duration. In a month or six weeks at most, all the moisture is absorbed by the sun. The soil becomes hardened and chokes the fresh germs. Vegetation disappears in a few days. The animals fly the region, and where for a while there was a rich fertility, the desert again asserts its dominion. This Karoo had to be crossed Before reaching the permanent desert bordering on Lake Ngami, the bushman was naturally eager to traverse this region before the extreme aridity should have exhausted the springs. He explained his reasons to the colonel, who perfectly understood and promised to hurry on the work without suffering its precision to be affected, since, on account of the state of the atmosphere, measuring was not always practicable. The operations were not infrequently retarded and the bushmen became seriously concerned lest when they reached the karoo, its character of fertility should have disappeared meanwhile the astronomers could not fail to appreciate the magnificence around never had they been in finer country in spite of the high temperature the streams kept up a constant freshness and thousands of flocks would have found inexhaustible pasturage. Clumps of luxuriant trees rose here and there, giving the prospect at times the appearance of an English park. Colonel Everest was comparatively indifferent to these beauties, but the others were fully alive to the romantic aspect of this temporary relief to the African deserts, Emory now especially regretted the alienation of his friend Zorn, and often thought how they would have mutually delighted in the charming scenery around them. The advance of the caravan was enlivened by the movements as well as by the song notes of a variety of birds. Some of these were edible, and the hunters shot some brace of corns, a sort of bastard peculiar to the South African plains, and some dick cops whose flesh is very delicate eating. They were frequently followed by voracious crows, instinctively seeking to award attention from their eggs in their nests of sand. In addition to these, blue cranes with white throats, red flamingos like flames in the thinly scattered brushwood, herons, curlews, snipes, callas often porching on a buffalo's neck, plovers ibises, which might have flown from some hieroglyptic obelisk, hundreds of enormous pelicans marching in file, all were observed to find congenial habitats in this district, where man alone is the stranger. But of all the varieties of the feathered race, the most noticeable was the ingenious weaver bird, whose green nests woven with rushes and blades of grass, hung like immense pears from the branches of the willows. Emery, taking them for a new species of fruit, gathered one or two, and was much surprised to hear them twitter like sparrows. There seemed some excuse for the ancient travelers in Africa who reported that certain trees in the country bore fruit-producing living birds. The Karoo was reached, while still it was lovely in its verdure. New, with their pointed hoofs, Kamas, Elks, chemi, and gazelles abounded. Sir John could not resist the temptation to obtain two days' leave from the colonel, which he devoted with all his energy to his favourite pastime. Under the guidance of the Bushmen, while Emery, Accompanied as an amateur, he obtained many a success to inscribe in his journal, and many a trophy to carry back to his highland home. His hand, skillful with the delicate instruments of the survey, was at home, still more on his gun, and his eye, keen to discern the remotest of stars, was quick to detect the merest movement of a gazelle it was ever with something of self-denial that he laid aside the character of the hunter to resume the duties of the astronomer the bushman's uneasiness was ere long renewed on the second day of sir john's interval of recreation mokum had espied nearly two miles to the right a herd of about twenty of the species of antelope known as the oryx He told Sir John at once and advised him to take advantage of the fortune that awaited him, adding that the oryx was extremely difficult to capture and could outstrip the fleetest horse and that Kumrang himself had not brought down more than four. This was more than enough to arouse the Englishman. He chose his best gun, his best horse and his best dogs and in his impatience preceding the bushmen, he turned towards the copse bordering the plain where the antelopes had been seen in an hour they reined in their horses and mokum concealed by a grove of sycamores pointed out to his companion the herd grazing several hundred paces to leeward he remarked that one oryx kept apart he is a sentinel he said and doubtless cunning enough at the slightest danger he will give his signal and the whole troop will make their escape we must fire from a long distance and hit at the first shot sir john nodded in reply and sought for a favourable position the oryxes continued quietly grazing the sentinel as though the breeze had brought suspicions of danger often raised his head and looked wearily round, but he was too far away for the hunters to fire at him with success, and to chase the herd over the plain was out of the question. The only hope of a lucky issue was that the herd might approach the copse. Fortune seemed propitious. Gradually, following the lead of the sentinel male, the herd drew near the wood, their instinct perchance chance, making them aware that it was safer than the plain. When their direction was seen, the bushman asked his companion to dismount. The horses were tied to a sycamore, and their heads cowered to secure them from taking alarm. Followed by the dogs, the hunters glided through the creepers and brushwood till they were within Three hundred paces of the troop, then crouching in ambush and wading with loaded guns, they could admire the beauty of the animals. By a strange freak of nature, the females were armed with horns more formidable than those of the males. The whole herd approached the wood and a while remained stationary. The sentinel orcs, as it seemed, was urging them to leave the plain. He appeared to be driving them, something like a sheep collie congregates a flock, into a compact mass. The herd seemed strangely indifferent and indisposed to submit to the guidance of their leader. The bushman was perplexed. He could not understand the relative movements of the sentinel and the herd. Sir John began to get impatient. He fidgeted with his rifle, sometimes wanting to fire, sometimes to advance, and the bushman had some trouble to restrain him. An hour passed away in this manner, when suddenly one of the dogs gave a loud bark and rushed towards the plain. The bushman felt angry enough to send a ball into the excited brute. The orcs fled, and Sir John saw at once that pursuit was useless in a few seconds there were no more than black specks in the grass but to the bushman's astonishment it was not the old male which had given the signal for flight the orcs remained in its place without attempting to follow and only tried to hide in the grass strange said the bushman what ails the creature is he hurt or crippled with age we shall soon see said sir john advancing towards the animal the oryx crouched more and more in the grass only the tips of his long horns were visible above the surface but as he did not try to escape sir john could easily get near him when within a hundred paces he took aim and fired the ball had struck the head for the horns sunk into the grass the hunters ran hastily to the spot. The bushman held in his hand his hunting-knife in case the animal should still live. This precaution was unnecessary. The orcs was so dead that when Sir John took hold of the horns, he pulled nothing but an empty flabby skin containing not so much as a bone. By St. Andrew, these things happened to no one but me, he cried. In a tone so comical that anyone but the immovable Macum would have laughed outright, but Macum did not even smile. His compressed lips and contracted brow showed him to be utterly bewildered. With his arms crossed, he looked quickly right and left. Suddenly, he caught sight of a little red leather bag ornamented with arabesques on the ground which he picked up and examined carefully what's that asked sir john a Makololos pouch replied makum how did it get there the honor let it fall as he fled what do you mean i mean said makum clenching his fists that the makolola was in the oryx skin and you have missed him sir john had not time to express his astonishment when makum observing a movement in the distance with all speed seized his gun and fired he and sir john hastened to the suspected spot but the place was empty they could perceive by the trampled grass that someone had just been there but the makololo was gone and it was useless to think of pursuit across the prairie the two hunters returned much discomposed The presence of a Makololo at the Kromlech, together with his disguise, not unfrequently adopted by oryx hunters, showed that he had systematically followed the caravan. It was not without design that he was keeping watch upon the Europeans and their escort. The more they advanced to the north, the greater danger they would be of being attacked by the plunderers. Emery was inclined to banter Sir John on his return from his holiday without booty, but Sir John replied, I hadn't a chance, William. The first oryx I hunted was dead before I shot at him. End of chapter 16